0: I do love a good stat. Hello and welcome to Real V Feel, netball numbers that matter. A podcast with me, freelance journalist Erin Dallahunty and Dr. Aaron Fox, a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods at Deakin University. In this weekly show, we align what it feels like happened in round nine of Super Netball over the weekend to what the stats, that's the real, tell us. Of course, we wouldn't be here without our major sponsor, All-in-One Property. If you've purchased property, you know it involves tons of paperwork and stress. You've got to sort out conveyancing, finance, insurance, and that's if it's a simple deal. All-in-One Property can help handle every step or just one. Visit allinoneprop.com to learn more. I'd like to acknowledge I'm on the lands of the Yoriotta people in Echuca, and Aaron is on Wadawurrung land in Geelong. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Well, we had two thrillers and two blowouts this weekend, Darren. I think is the the simple explanation. Why don't you start our statistical rundown this week with the opening match of round nine, Thunderbirds versus Firebirds?
1: Yes, and for Firebirds fans, apologies for what's about to happen. <laughs> uh, I think wasn't when good. you have a, when you have a match that your score starts with a four um Ouch. not in a good place uh so 63 to 46 uh for the thunderbirds over the firebirds shamira sterling again great game uh i don't know whether we need to talk about it cuz
0: <laughs> just take it as red maybe
1: yeah like 10 10 gains nine deflections only seven penalties like it is it's just becoming normal right uh, the Five birds didn't help themselves with their turnovers, 29 yeah. of these, and their center pass conversion was only 49%. And we always talk about that. If it's that low, you're not going to win a game, right? Yep. Uh, 21 gains for the Thunderbirds. Again, hard to win a game when you let your opposition do that. Um, and the Five birds were beaten in all aspects of scoring the match, right? So goals from center pass was 38 to 25 in the Thunderbirds' favour. Goals from Gaines was 12 to 9 in the Thunderbirds' favour. And goals from Turnovers was 9 to 6 in the Thunderbirds' favour. So, Yeah, look, we are, we, are take... an,
0: we are an audio medium, but I'm kind of like grimacing each of those numbers that you we rattle off because they would be pretty painful for Firebirds yeah. fans.
1: So any anywhere you want to look, yeah. Um, yeah, the Firebirds did not win this match. <laughs> Uh, now, Erin, you're going to take us through game two of this round?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, this game on Saturday was just an absolute cracker, wasn't it? It came right down to the wire. And then, as we know, the Swifts came away with that win to give Fever yet another one goal loss. What's the expression about once is misfortune, to is, or, you know, whatever it is, it's starting to become a bit of a habit for the Fever. Something Dan Ryan talked about post-game and said, look, if that doesn't put the the fire in your belly for a close game having lost a couple like that nothing ever will so they're definitely going to use that as fire um, but I mean the Swifts have been involved in so many close ones too you know they've now played in six matches decided by four goals or less and this tightness is something we're going to talk about later on uh, and the Swifts have won them all they're getting getting the job done the uh, one thing that jumped out at me Aaron was that the Swifts only had one intercept in this game to Tegan O'Shaughnessy. that was all day but they did lead quite quite heavily when we looked at deflections so 19 to 10 deflections and then when we look at with a gain so where you get a deflection and then end up with the ball they led 6 to 1 so really those six deflections with a gain ended up being the intercepts, I guess, that we normally see in a game. Helen Housby, again, in the week that she was named in the England Rosa squad for the Netball World Cup, she shot 10 from 14 super shots. I, I wrote about that earlier this week. You sort of just knew before the siren went, okay, Helen Housby, are you going to win the game for your team or or are you not? I mean, Melda Aiken obviously put in the last two, they they're sort of single shots, but it did ultimately come down to her being able to be cool under pressure. There was only 30 turnovers in this game as well. And of course we saw the... I don't know, was it The Return or a cameo or a farewell tour by Nat Butler, Nee Medhurst? I'm not sure. We saw her for the second half. Dan Ryan went with Emma Kosh to begin with, but then she came on and, you know, just made it look like 2018 again, I think, for a lot of people. um, Ended up with, interestingly, the exact same shooting statistics as Emma Kosh shooting four from five for 80% accuracy. So another a game for really high centre pass to goal percentage for the fever, eighty-three percent it was for them. Swifts were no slouch in that area either though they were at eighty percent. So yeah, I, that's one game that you can file away, I think, and watch back a couple of times. It was it was so good, so much skill on display. And now you're gonna have a look at the other close one, which of course was the Melbourne Vixens and the Sunshine Coast Lightning, Aaron.
1: Mm. And if you looked at the score at this quarter time like I did, you probably weren't expecting it to be a close <laughs> one, right? Just turn
0: it off at quarter time. I think maybe people yeah. might have done that. Yeah.
1: So for this one to come back at 62 to 61 in the Vixens' favour was very surprising given the 17 to 6 first quarter that the Vixens set up with this win. And that was really off the back of some uh, good defence. So six games. Keep, keep, keepers, in...
0: keepers. Let's be specific about what keepers, it was on the back. yeah. Well, I
1: mean, <laughs> Three gains to Emily Mannix out of the Vixen's six gains. Not bad. Um, and, you know, that really dropped off in the, the second quarter to three and then only one each in quarters mm. three and four, so the Lightning cleaned up there. Mm. The Lightning's centre-passed goal percentage in the first quarter was 45%, not great. And they bumped that up to ninety-four percent in the fourth quarter, where they made their comeback. Mm. And similarly, they had nine possession changes in the first quarter, and actually had none in the fourth <sighs> quarter where they came back. So, like, no turnovers or anything. Uh, and so, yeah, big difference from the start to the end of the game. And obviously, that was reflected in the the score lines.
0: Yeah. Well, Steph Wood said after the game, "If we could only play sixty minutes of netball." imagine what mm. we could do
1: yeah so they really really did shoot himself in the foot there to begin with the vixens had their 11 games plus 10 ding, so they ding, win ding. there you go um and 36 feeds for liz watson 24 of those coming with an attempt so she's really ramping up her form in that area as the yep. season continues yep uh and now last game for the round erin the giants and the pies maybe not as good as the last couple of games not
0: quite in terms of quality the Giants obviously won this 69 to 56 that game was at John Cain Arena I'm still actually waiting for to to get the number for the people of crowd that were there but it was very very small I've been told by people that were there and I mean I guess given what we now know about what has been going on in the background with Collingwood in the last couple of days they're obviously contemplating leaving Super Netball which is a you know a huge um, seismic um, bit of news for the league I guess this Poor game from Collingwood, um, whether they knew this meeting was coming this week or not. About the team, this probably put some context into a 13-goal loss. And aside from a strong first quarter, there wasn't really much to like here for for Nicole Richardson or, or Collingwood fans. Unfortunately, the Giants won three quarters for the first time this year. The contact penalties are a bit painful. 55. To the magpies to 37 for the giants um you're just talking about liz watson in the last game but Maddie Hay just continues to quietly go about her business as well. Um, when she plays well, the Giants do tend to win. She had 34 feeds, 21 assists, four deflections and two intercepts as well as a wing attack. You know, I think she gets you know, she gets such a big tick for those intercepts as well. The goals from games would have um, been really painful for Nicole Richardson. They only converted seven of 16. So you've got Jodie-Ann Ward uh, and Jeeva Mentor, you know, working really hard and winning ball, but it, it not sort of turning up on the scoreboard. On the other side, the Giants converted seventy-eight percent of theirs. So I guess that's the difference. We saw ten super shots from the Giants. That was evenly distributed. Matisse Leatherbrother Leatherborough, sorry, got her first full game. Obviously Joe Harton is managing that knee. That's gonna be a theme for the rest of the year, I think. Um and they I mean they didn't need the super shots um, this week. And it's interesting to note, they didn't miss after halftime because I guess the pressure wasn't there. Shimona Nelson shot at a hundred percent. I think that's kind of been missed a little bit in a lot of the coverage, but when you get beaten uh, so soundly, I-, I guess it's a bit for naught um, without being, you know, too, too hard on, on the pies. Now our first deep dive today, we've sort of touched on it very briefly is around perfect Feeding, So I touched on Nat Butler, um, Medhurst, as most people would know her. She was one of the biggest talking points out of the weekend. She's 39 years old, a training partner with Fever. And she ended up on the court when Sasha Glasgow, uh, along with Jess Anstis, their mid-quarter, they both had to miss because of COVID. Um, We saw her come on the court after a half time and, you know, the crowd and, and social media sort of lit up as a result of that. Um, you know, her connection with Danielle Fowler that was established many years ago and they last played in a grand final in 2018, it helped them kind of get a six co- six goal run on. But as we just discussed, the Swifts did ultimately win. Um, Butler finished with four from five, which um, included a super shot. Then she, as we touched on, she put in 12 feeds to Fowler, which all resulted in a goal. So obviously we see those stats week to week, total number of feeds, and then how many of them end up actually in, uh, in the net. Um, She also had 13 center pass receives and uh, six second phase balls. Interestingly, um, you know, very similar to what Emma Kosh had in the first half, but, It's the feeds and feeds with attempt that I want to focus on specifically. We do sometimes see that where a feeder will have X number of feeds and X number of of them end up with an attempt. But maybe not usually from a goal attack, I want to say. I feel like they might work the ball around a bit more. A goal shooter who leads out maybe and then pops the ball into a one-on-one in the circle of their goal attack, I feel like we see them get those perfect numbers, yeah, feeds and then feeds with an attempt um and kosh had nine feeds in the first half and they all ended up in uh attempts as well so it made me think is this a fouler thing and a fever thing or yeah
1: i mean we'll get get to how it's it's maybe a fever and foul thing a set (laughs) to i guess explain where the statistics come sure. from. It's been a stat since 2018. That's when it's been collected. So not across the, the big history of um, ANZ champs and Super Netball. So before um, then it
0: was just it was just feeds that were recorded, Aaron?
1: Yeah, you didn't have the context of sure. how many of those resulted in a shot attempt. And this doesn't always mean that it goes in, just that it resulted in a shot attempt. Oh, um, okay, right, right. important distinction.
0: Player. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Yes.
1: Uh, so we can look at this on a season-to-season basis since 2018 and basically calculate the proportion of a player's feeds that result in an attempt. attempt. And you could look at this as mm-hmm. somewhat of a feeding efficiency mm-hmm. metric. Sure. Uh, there's some potential for inflated results or inaccuracies here mm-hmm. if we don't, like, limit these data to, in some way, by the number of feeds a player is doing. So, for sure. example, Nat Butler's game on the weekend, she Perfect. had 12 feeds yeah. with 12 attempts. At 100%, but these are only coming from one game. Sure. Uh, A really weird one in my data set, Joe Mm -hmm. Weston had in a season six feeds, but seven of those coming with an attempt equating to 117%. So (laughs) So did it
0: bounce out of the shooter's hand and back to her at the transfer side and then back um, again? (laughs) Yeah,
1: probably input error. We've talked about how hard it is to... (laughs) Um, code these games, so a bit of a statistical error there
0: makes a mental. Uh, I'm making a mental note about defenders having feeds. Can I just say because yeah. that, that's that's a nice one, a big shoulder pass from the from the transverse mm. line when they come off. The coach loves them when they don't. It's sprints on a Thursday night at my club anyway. Mm. So something that
1: I think Joe Weston loves doing. She does. Um, so decided to limit this to players with 50 or more feeds sure. in a season, yeah. uh, and. This is where I want to get back to your fever or foul thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think it's actually limited to the the fever as a team because it seems that the players with the highest proportion of feeds coming with attempts Mm -hmm. are shooters. So Mm -hmm. when you look at players with greater than 80% of feeds resulting in an attempt, they seem to be predominantly goal shooters or goal attacks. So the names at the top of this list uh, like Tegan Philp from 2019, mm-hmm. uh, Mia Stour, Sophie Garbin, and Steph Wood from this year. Okay, some goal attacks. Someone like Sasha Glasgow in 2022, Joe Harden in 2021, uh, and also Kira Austin and Emma Kosh last year also had a high okay. ratio of feeds coming with attempts. So it seems, yeah, more like a goal attack, goal shooter type of thing that when they're feeding the ball into mm. the circle, it's, for a shot, mm. right? well, they should, they're,
0: they're they
1: going, should know. Yeah. yeah, they're going. They're going to their shooter in the right position. Whereas when mid quarters are doing it, maybe mm. there's a, a little bit more going on in the circle, and it isn't quite oh, the, the right spot to take the shot. So yeah.
0: who? So who are the best mid quarters for this metric?
1: So they're not always under eighty percent. Uh, Some mid-quarters do reach that mark. Kelsey Brown in 2019 had 82% of her feeds resulting in an attempt. Uh, Maddie Hay in 2020 had 80% of feeds coming with an attempt. And Kim Revalian in 2018, she was just under that at 78.6% of feeds having an attempt. Uh-huh. But if we think about those top feeding mid-quarters like Liz Watson and Maddie Proud, when they have a huge amount of feeds within a season, yeah. they're typically around 70 to 75% of their feeds resulting in an attempt across a season.
0: But they're, ha- they're feeding that much more, so relatively speaking.
1: Yeah. It's going to be less. Y- you do see those situations where there's there's quick feeds in and out of the circle yeah. for the shooter to reposition, and those players like Watson and Pratt might be impacted by that um, when we look at the this statistic in this way. Um, but they're still doing the work to get the ball. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. and as, we, and as we, I mean, we continually talk about on this pod, it's about what is the actual aim? What are they out there to do? What is the KPI for them? They might be looking to get closer to the post and do, I think Collingwood call it the shuffle shot where they, you know, inch their way back and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's never just the raw numbers, I guess, that, that tell the story, but speaking about numbers, I wanted to look at some scoring highs and lows out of this round. We saw the best and worst of teams in, in different in different quarters in round nine as we touched on the Lightning um, managed such a small total of six in the first quarter to so their loss in the Vixens, which effectively set up that, you know, that defeat. They were in chase mode for the rest of the game. And then on the flip side, the Adelaide Thunderbirds stacked on 24, um, which from memory only included two. Who super shots in the fourth quarter of their win over the Firebirds. Where do these sort of polar opposite performances fit in? And I think we need to, to make a quick caveat here, of course, that the super shot, as always, means we're not truly comparing... Apples with apples when we look at historically. When we say someone scored 24 goals, they didn't really score 24 goals, Aaron. They scored 24 points because we changed the scoring system, like insert rant about Super Netball, Super Shot, here.
1: Yeah, like we don't need to get all into that. Um, and I like your segue between those segments there Aaron. speaking about numbers. like Thanks. That's what the whole podcast is about. <laughs> you can do that for every segment if you like. Um, every sentence. Yeah. So scoring lows, lightning's six over the weekend is Mm -hmm. near the bottom when it comes to super netball, Mm -hmm. but not the worst when we compare back to the ANZ championship days. So there are some quarters where four is the lowest score we've ever seen on three occasions, all back in the ANZ championship days, once by the fever in 2009, the magic in 2011 and the Thunderbirds in 2014. Uh, one up from that, we have five that's been recorded on 19 occasions, uh, and again, all of these were in the ANZ Championship days, except for once by the Thunderbirds in round 13 of 2022, and, and that was in five. their wow. yeah that was in their last quarter where they fell apart in a round 13 matchup with the Vixens. Okay. Uh, And six has actually been recorded on 49 occasions. Uh, Again, mostly in the ANZ Championship days, but four times in Super Netball. The Thunderbirds, Vixens, Giants, and then Lightning this year have been the teams to record six in Super Netball.
0: And what about the opposite end? What about the highs, that 24 that we saw? Mm.
1: The Thunderbirds 24 stacks up pretty well, but Mm -hmm. it's not the best we've seen. Okay. So the Lightning had a 28-goal quarter back in the fourth quarter of round 11 in 2022 when they really blew out the Firebirds that round. Uh, The Swifts had a 27-goal quarter in round two of 2020, which resulted in a one-goal win fighting back against the Fever. Uh, So 28 and 27 are kind of your highs. And then... Uh twenty-six goals has been recorded on four occasions, twenty-five has been recorded on eight occasions, and twenty-four has been recorded on nineteen occasions all across ANZ championship and super netball history. So um, you know, it's sort of twenty-four by the Thunderbirds over the weekend is kind of in that equal top five range.
0: Mm. And, yeah, it's interesting to to go back and look at those ones and were, you know, were super shots in play and, and how many did they get? Because I was, you know, it was kind of impressive to see that they were able to put on so many of those without, you know, four or five super shots, which obviously, um, you know, blows out those numbers. Now, for our next subject, Aaron, we're going to focus on numbers. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> it's a great segue.
0: Our last, our last one um, and we've been going backwards and forwards about this. Um, it's a, it's one that I'm kind of really interested in. So I'm calling it the cancel out. Factor, um, You know, we we love to sort of invent our own metrics here at Real V-Feel, and I think maybe this might be the time for a new one. So when uh, journos and, and broadcasters are looking at shooting, you know, statistics, it's usually a very simplistic breakdown of shots taken and made. So with a percentage accuracy, it's, you know, a pretty um fundamental way that we talk about shooters. But nepal fans will know that a shooter who rebounds their own miss and then scores basically hasn't missed, right? Because they've retained the ball. And while I think I know who might top this list, I was hoping you could sort of put your special statistics hat on and look at the data on rebounds taken by shooters and sort of somehow line them up with their, their misses. And I know this is going to be imprecise in pre- in because you think about something like maybe Janelle Fowler, she misses two goals in a game and she gets two rebounds. And, you know, in my simplistic mind, I think, okay, well, she's cancelled out her misses, but maybe she's not rebounding her own misses. But I think there's value in being able to know who gets the ball back most and then scores. Am I making any sense at all?
1: You <laughs> are, Erin. and. Good. It's actually quantified in a statistic called the Missed Goal Turnover, Mm -hmm. which has been collected from 2021 onwards. Um, And I always think back when in this context there was a a grand final that Romelda Aiken played for the Firebirds. Uh, and she missed a bunch of shots.
0: 2015 but, or 16 probably. Yeah. yep.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember which year it was. Yep. But she rebounded like every one of them. And yeah. people were talking about, yeah, she had a bad game because she missed. But, but she did yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, given this was only collected from 2021 onwards, we can't look all the way back there. Okay. Uh, but this missed goal turnover stat, it's defined as when possession of the ball changes as a direct result of a missed goal. So any time a player records one of these, it means they have missed a goal Mm -hmm. and someone from their team hasn't rebounded it. It doesn't necessarily mean they rebounded themselves or not. It could have um, gone off the
0: back. It could have bounced out to one of their players and circle edge could be anything.
1: Yeah, but we have this missed goal turnover, which we can actually use to in line with their shooting statistics to understand how many of their misses Mm -hmm. actually result in a turnover. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if we sum their missed goals Mm -hmm. and missed goal turnovers separately, we can produce a percentage of how many of their misses are actually rebounded Mm -hmm. by their own team. So I've done this for each player across each season since 2021. And mm-hmm. similar to early, we want to limit this to players with 50 or more goal attempts for a season. So we don't get any outliers here. And, yeah, look at who is, you know, taking advantage of their misses, I guess. So who is it? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I don't think it's going to be overly surprising. Okay. Uh, here. Might We've be someone's already... name
0: you just mentioned. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've already talked about Romelda Aiken george Um, So back in 2021, she had 92 misses, right? Yep. But about 87% of these were rebounded by her own team.
0: Yeah, right. So very few. Uh, Yep, lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, Sasha Glasgow in 2021, she had 41 misses, but 83% of these were rebounded by their team.
0: There's the Fowler effect. That we were talking. About. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and we go back the next highest, Romelda Aiken George this year, mm-hmm. fifty-nine misses, but eighty percent of these were rebounded by their team. The next highest is Sasha Glasgow this, this year, yeah, right, yep. thirty-one misses with about seventy-seven percent of these rebounded by their own team, right? Mm-hmm. And if. I mean, we've mentioned two names here, but there's some characteristics of these teams, right? Mm-hmm. Ramelda Aiken George, really tall goal shooter, good at rebounding. Janiel Fowler, really tall goal shooter, good at rebounding. Um, and that's just what happens. Sure, right? logical. <laughs> yeah. The other the other ones this year uh, this year, Kara Conan, seventy seven percent of her missed shots are being rebounded, and MJ Comwender in 2022 also had about seventy seven percent of missed shots rebounded by their team.
0: Karakona one's really interesting considering Steph Wood tends to be on the shorter side in most shooting circles. Yeah, like
1: I mean like I would I would think a lot of those are maybe her, her close misses and her coming about. back to that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So who is not who is not so great at this?
1: Yeah, I guess there's a, a lot of names down the bottom end, but like to provide a good contrast, um, Joe Harton in 2022 mm-hmm. was a player that was near the bottom of this list. So okay, uh, last year with 80 missed shots. Only twenty-six percent of those were rebounded by her team. So this is where you can see a big difference between a similar amount of shots missed by a goal shooter, but yeah. it's having a much bigger effect on the turnovers.
0: Yeah, huge, hugely so so out of all that, can we can we imagine or can we create a new metric based on all of those factors, do you think?
1: Yes, like you said, it's what we love doing and What do you call it? The cancel out factor? Yeah, I don't know. Is
0: that cute? Not really.
1: I'm going to give it a more uh, statistical name. We're going to call it effective shooting percentage, right? Sure. So this is when we can calculate a player's shooting percentage Mm -hmm. where a miss is only counted when it's a missed goal turnover instead of actual misses. So if we look at... Regular shooting percentage, Janelle Fowler leads the league at about 98%. Uh, unsurprisingly, she also leads in this effective shooting percentage category because it can only go up. Up, obviously. Um, but it goes to 99%. That's, that's this year. I'm looking at yep. this effective shooting percentage for 2023. Yep. So, yeah, 99 out of, of what? Janelle Fowler takes 100 shots. Only mm-hmm. one of those is resulting in the other team getting the ball. Um that's, so good. Interest- that's
0: such it's such a good number and mm. such a good way to you know to to demonstrate ex- explain and articulate I guess how powerful she is and how few opportunities defenders that play on her get to look at a, to even look at a ball to get an intercept yep. to get a deflection yeah sorry to interrupt you yep
1: no I I mean it gets even better when we actually start looking at um players who don't shoot at 98% right because mm-hmm. there's not there's there's not much more it can go from 98% to 100%. (laughs) Um, So some interesting ones when considering goal shooters this year is MJ Akumwenda. She's Mm -hmm. currently shooting at just under 90% if you look at regular shooting percentage. Mm -hmm. But this actually goes up to 97.5% when you consider effective misses, right? Um, And Romelda Aiken-George, she goes from 84% at regular shooting percentage to just under 97%. So it's a big difference, right? Yep. That's um, why she's there though, right? Yeah. That's
0: what the SWIFT's, uh, the, 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 the Swift's
1: uh, plan, yeah. The biggest differentials though, uh, mm-hmm. at the top of this list is Sophie Garvin. She's shooting at 61% this year if you look at her regular stats. yeah. But this actually rises by 23% to something a bit more respectable at 84% when we only consider these effective misses. Um, and number two is Sasha Glasgow, who's shooting at a somewhat respectable 72.5%. But if we look at this effective shooting percentage, she's actually shooting at 94% this oh, year. Oh, wow. And you would take that Which is a big 94. difference.
0: Yeah, huge, huge
1: difference. Mm-hmm. All right. So if ESS. we consider these, <laughs> yep. if we consider like the Fever's two shooters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Junior Fowler, Sasha Glasgow, the main ones, you got one here who's shooting effectively at 99% one at and one at 94%, right? So how do you beat that? Yeah, it's pretty hard.
0: <laughs> right, ESS, I'm definitely gonna come back to you and refer to that um, lots of times. Now, we have a special offer from our major sponsor, All In One Property. Real V listeners know by now that All In One Property can help home buyers with conveyancing, loans, property law, and insurance. They can link you in with a bunch of property services so you can have one point of contact instead of many when purchasing a place. And the best bit is you can use all the services or just some. It's a one-stop shop for when you're buying a home, helping you handle the conveyancing, finance, insurance, and property law paperwork, reducing stress and saving time. And for a limited time, if you reach out to All In One Property and mention the podcast, you'll receive a 10% off conveyancing services. Visit allinoneprop.com or call 03 99 82 44 to discover how you can benefit from this streamlined property transfer ser- process. It's now time for Fox Answers the Fans, of course. Now, Georgie Maynard on Twitter asked a question about the closeness of results in Super Netball this season, which is something we'd sort of already planned to tackle uh, this episode. She wrote, in nine rounds of Super Netball this year, 28% of matches have come down to a one goal difference. And in three rounds, there have been at least two matches with a one goal difference. This seems higher than usual. She also points out the prevalence of games with other, you know, quite small differences. So firstly, is George's 28% figure for this year coming down to one goal right and is it as close as it definitely feels like when we're watching every weekend
1: so georgie might have calculated this before some of the other matches okay. had finished okay. so i've got nine of 36 matches this year as having a one goal margin which i'm not going to test your quick maths here Anne, <laughs> but that's 25 percent <laughs> so 25 percent of matches coming with a one goal margin this year Um, And if we actually look at the relative percentage of margins within a season, this 25% for one goal matches, um, it's actually the most common of any margin within any season. Okay. Right. So, like, if if you looked at five goal differences in another year, Mm -hmm. um, it would be less than 25% Mm -hmm. or any other margin. So it's the most common margin within a season so far. Uh, the next closest is actually also one goal margins but from the 2012 ANZ championship season where only about 14.5 percent of matches were decided by a one goal difference so this number of one goal margins we're having this season is currently a bit of an anomaly i think um 2023 has had those three rounds with at least two matches having a one goal difference um Only the 2012 and 2014 ANZ Championship and 2018 Super Netball season each had three rounds with Mm -hmm. at least two matches having a one-goal difference. Mm -hmm. So if there is another round within this year where at least two matches are decided by one goal, then this would be the most rounds within a season for this to occur.
0: Which is definitely on the cards, right?
1: Yeah, you you would think so. There's still five or six more rounds to go, right? Um, It could happen again.
0: It could happen in two games this weekend, really. Mm. Like, if, if you look at the matchups, you've got Giants and Lightning, and then Thunderbirds and Vixens. Could both of those matches could be really tight?
1: Yep, could put a dent in my shot in the dark later, but <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. Um, if we look at you know closeness of the season overall, there's yep. been some blowouts, right? Yes. But the average margin for this season is currently uh, the lowest it's been across any ANZ Championship and Super Netball season. It's right sitting just around a seven-goal average margin per game. Uh, And the next closest was the 2015 ANZ Championship season, which had an average margin of about 7.4. So I think as the season keeps going um, and people are continuously commenting on how close it feels, the numbers are backing it up.
0: Well, that's good to know that people aren't imagining it because I feel like if we had a round now where we didn't have a close one, we didn't have Kira Austin or Helen Housby or, or someone shooting for the game, we'd all be a little bit disappointed. I think we are we're we're trained for that for that now.
1: Mm. Yes, yes, um, and I think it will keep happening based on the the matchups with the way the top four and the bottom four are kind of shaping up and staying really close. Yeah. Uh, now, Erin, I thought the big news about the Magpies this week Mm -hmm. would have been the scheduling of a Magpies-Giant game at the same time as a Magpies-Giants game that's happening next door, right? I thought that was the big Magpies controversy this week, but there's clearly been bigger things there afoot in recent days.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. And, I mean, by now I'm sure that all our listeners are well across what's unfolding at Collingwood. As revealed by Linda Pearce on Code Sports earlier this week, the Pies are contemplating ending their netball program, so leaving a massive hole in the Super Netball League for next year, and obviously putting players and staff in limbo as well. Magpie, Steve Craig Kelly reportedly called a meeting on Tuesday morning to advise players and staff that the club is reviewing the team's future. They notified Netball Australia, which of course runs Super Netball. Um, the same and what they're doing. Netball Australia did release a really short statement on Tuesday evening addressing the situation, but um, as is a bit of a habit, unfortunately, it didn't really say a whole lot, except that Super Netball is committed to having an eight team competition in 2024. I mean, that's required under the broadcast deal, Aaron, so you would assume as much. While there are lots lots and all sorts of rumours and reports flying around this week, and I'm sure that's going to continue for the next couple of days as this review unfolds. You know, many and many of those rumours and reports are by people who've never really taken any interest in elite netball, I have to note. I guess I want to focus on the players and staff at the Pies. Everyone has an opinion about what the club has done wrong since entering the competition, what they should have done, who is to blame, why their crowds have been so dire, etc, etc. But at the end of the day, we're talking about human beings being called into a meeting and being told some pretty devastating news this week. Regardless of whether they saw it coming or not, I can't imagine what the players who wear the black and white dress and those who work in the Pies netball program are going through at the moment. To suggest it would be a very anxious time would be a huge understatement. I really hope They all have support around them, especially when you consider the players specifically. They can't even talk to other clubs at the moment about their playing futures because we don't have a collective agreement in place yet. So we don't know what the salary cap looks like. We don't know what the trade period looks like. And remember, this is a team that has to front up this weekend in Super Netball, the best league in the world, and play the New South Wales Swifts who are on the rampage. And they're going to play them at home in in Sydney. I just hope that everyone is doing okay, Aaron.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it, it's a very tough one for as you say the players and the, the staff as well and the the contracting stuff you mentioned there like um yeah. It's a lot. Not much more to add from me. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now we need to quickly check in on your shot in the dark for the round just gone, Aaron. Your very left field prediction. <laughs> Which is one of my favorites was that at least one player would record the same number of penalties as letters in their name. I hope everyone's you know was understood that last week. I didn't keep strict notes, I have to say, but I'm pretty sure you got this. And it was two in one game, and both with the first first same first name. So Maddie Proud had ten, and Maddie Turner had eleven. And I mean, truly, what are the chances? Of that happening, was that always part of the plan? We did talk about 11 being key, didn't Mm. we?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not sure we should really delve into (laughs) calculating the probabilities of Maddies in Super Netball, but yes, Maddie Proud, uh, 10 penalties, Maddie Turner, 11, and Verity Simmons also collected 13 Ah, matching ending links. The fans out there can keep track of this. I'm not keeping track of this every (laughs) week. Um,
0: It's a win. Someone else can do it. Take the win, (laughs) win. Aaron. Yeah. What about this round? What are you going with?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to look back at my prediction for round seven, which was about margins and that that round would be one of the closest in Super Netball history. It didn't quite get there. Mm -hmm. And we talked about earlier in the show that the average margin for this year per match is sitting around seven. Yep. Looking at the matchups we've got this weekend, there might be some close ones, but I think the average margin from the matches will probably be above the season average this week. And to be from a more ambitious prediction, I'm thinking it might be around eight to nine goals per game.
0: Well, I mean, the Swifts, as we just touched on, the Swifts pies and probably Fever Firebirds both have the potential to, to blow out. So they're going to, I reckon you're pretty safe to say that average is going to get pushed this week. Um, well, that's a wrap for our latest episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram where our handle is at Real V and send us your Fox Answers the Fans questions using the hashtag Real V All-in-One Property is a dedicated property service provider. It's a one-stop shop for when you're buying a home, helping you handle the conveyancing, finance and insurance and, and property law paperwork, reducing stress and saving time. Use all the services or just some. Visit onlyoneprop.com to find out more.